0: How many of you believe life is better when we're together? It is not good for man, I'm waiting for some help, to be alone. Uh, it's what we want to talk about today as we progress into a greater understanding of really the things that should truly mark our lives as Christians. And these are, you know, what we just felt over the course of time just that the Lord was giving each family, each congregational family in our city, in our community, a piece of the puzzle to point to God. How many of you know every family carries a different perspective? And we need all those perspectives in our community to really speak of eternal God and who He desires to be to our overall world around us. And So just in seeking the Lord, there were five characteristics that we felt like were to really mark our lives and it starts with understanding just how outrageously loving God is how he desires that to be within us and we walk through these five progressions passionately pursuing and rationally giving today we want to talk about consistently submitting and next week effectively discipling but I want us to understand today consistently submitting to God's desires it's a really interesting statement in the midst of this consistently submitting to God's desires is all about community connection and deep-spirited friendship and I want to use that term though that terminology on purpose deep-spirited friendship would you say that with me deep-spirited friendship you know it was something when I came to know the Lord as a young adult um, everything about my perspective of relationship and friendship began to change and it was born from my relationship and my friendship with God And out of that, I started to learn the value of deeper, more meaningful connections that happen kind of out of that statement, out of deep-spirited friendship. And it's what I want us to talk about today. I'm going to walk you through something that's fairly um, refreshing at first, and then it's going to get a little difficult. And I want to give you fair warning because it's going to be very difficult by the conclusion. Have you ever had anybody speaking to you and say, you're going to hate this today? Uh, It's kind of like that. But how many of you know it's not always about just sweet tidings in the kingdom of God? Like at the middle of the kingdom is a king who suffered and died and bled all the blood out of his body on our behalf. How many know that's really not pleasant? But because of that we understand there are some elements of sacrificial unpleasantries if you will that we need to engage in and gain a better understanding about if we're truly to become. All God's called us to be. So we'll journey into this together. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. First two words in this statement. I want you to say it with me, dear friends. Let's all say it. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, think about this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We say often around here, God didn't love you back, he loved you first. And your response to his love determines his reach in your life and that's what we're reading here this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins here's that statement again say it with me dear friends who, who are we in this family we're dear friends it's exactly what we're reading about in scripture dear friends since God so loved us we also ought to love one another Holy Spirit I pray that you would awaken the love of God in our hearts I pray that every one of us today right now in this moment would be able to relax just a little bit, rest in you. We wouldn't feel any need to make any presentation religiously to anybody around us, but we would understand love is born from transparency that gives room for community, that releases God's power. We long for a deeper sense of community or that you've called us to and designed us for in Jesus mighty name. amen Amen. this is our focal point and this is really what all this is talking about loving each other loving the lord loving each other we are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to god's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same consistently submitting to god's desires Now, there's an interesting portion of scripture in the paraphrase, uh, the message paraphrase. It's not actually a translation. It's a paraphrase of scripture, but it really kind of uh, positions an understanding of scripture in a different way sometimes when you're reading it. And I want to point this out. And I want you to think about that word, deep-spirited friendship, as we'll uh, read that. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, let me just ask, how many of you in the room, through a hearty amen, have gotten something powerful out of following Jesus? Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful? If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside and help others get ahead, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So this is the important thing that we need to understand, particularly about our generation of the body of Christ and the theology of our generation and what we've uh, understood and known and heard and, and have to filter through. How many of you know nobody has this all figured out? We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. There's some elements that we need to really dig into and understand, and we recognize fully it is much easier to be entertained in church than it is to actually engage in community. Let me tell you the difference between being entertained in church and engaging in community. Entertained in church means I'm just kind of showing up for me, Like, I'm showing up to see what I can get. I'm showing up so that other people will be doing whatever needs to be done so that I can have a church to go, and I can be getting what church needs to be giving me. I I, This last week was reflecting on this. I posted it on one of my social media accounts. But, you know, Jesus kept telling Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know that most people that I talk to that are Christians in our day, that find out I'm a pastor, they start kind of talking about their journey of faith, and one of the things that is most commonly said to me is, I'm just looking for a place where I can really be fed. If I could just find a great church where I could really be fed. But the Bible actually says, if you love Jesus, you'll feed others. But we've turned this thing around to be so self-absorbed, like we're looking for a place that's going to meet all my needs, And what about that is like Jesus who sacrificially gives himself so that the kingdom of God can be expanded in the lives of other people. We need to get this and understand because when we live self-absorbed lives, our theology begins to falter. And folks, when you're... When your theology starts to falter, then you are going to have problems from the very foundation of your life. If you don't believe right, you won't behave right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you can learn how to believe, then you can learn how to behave. But what you think and the way you understand God's love in your life will absolutely affect the way you express God's love to other people. If you think God's mad at you, then you're mad at other people. If you think God's mad at you, then you're looking for somebody who's living a life that's less than yours so you can be mad at them for not being good enough because you're processing how this is in your relationship with God. If you're fully convinced that God is loving and he is graciously embracing you just as you are, that you don't have to dress yourself up to prove yourself to him, then you're not going to require other people to prove to you. This is why our relationship with God and our relationship with others has a voice and should speak to us. There's a natural family. There's a spiritual family. Guys, we need every single one of you engaged in the fight and engaged in the faith. We need every single one of you. engaged. I believe God's taking us into a season of expanding the kingdom of God. We need every single one of you finding your place, making the connection, expressing your gift. Let's see God's kingdom expand. Let's stop making excuses and let's start surrendering to the call of God. Aren't you glad Jesus delivered you from your sin? Well then, come on. Let's understand we then... Jesus delivers us from our sin, and then we must deliver ourselves from our excuses. And there, it's too easy to justify why we can't or why we won't or... And and I haven't even gotten into what I'm asking you to consider today, but I'm just trying to get a little bit of groundwork of how easy it is to be self-absorbed. You know, Tracy and I have been married for a while now, and what I have learned in our marriage life is that every time I start getting focused on myself, the marriage seems to be somewhat problematic according to the degree that I am self-absorbed and self-focused. Did you know this is the same thing in your workplace? Do you know this is the same thing in the church? This is the same thing in your neighborhood. The more self-absorbed you are, the more problematic your life is going to become. And so that's why we're constantly trying to focus on that. Yeah, I, I, I looked at Tracy during worship in the second service. Same thing that happened in the first. But I just looked at her during worship and I just I, all I said was, wow. Like, it's amazing. Did you, did you sense such an open heaven? Aren't you thankful for the expression and the depth of worship that God has entrusted to our care in the atmosphere atmosphere of this house? Come on, let's give thanks to God and to those that are working so hard to bring something so fresh in in that expression from his heart to ours. It is so powerful when we gather like this in worship. But I want you to hear me when I say this. There is something even more powerful that God desires for your life and it's the gathering that then leads to a deeper sense of community and relationship you can be in a crowd and not experience community There are different people at different degrees in this room who are utterly capable of holding people out and keeping people at bay and only being surface. And you have to understand only God can deliver you from that nonsensical ideology that exists in the independent society that you and I live in. We must repent of the sin of independence because God has actually called us to live in a state of connection and community. I know that's a powerful statement and it's kind of a shockwave we're having to think this thing through because now I'm starting to tamper with your constitutional conclusion as I'm trying to discuss your theological conclusion. But can I just tell you your theology better be deeper than any other belief structure you have. So hear this loud and clear. The promises of God are not written to me. The promises of God are written to We. promises of God are not written to me they are written to we to us so often we read the Bible as if God is speaking to us alone we need to understand there's a broader perspective than that and in fact Jesus he taught the disciples how to pray anybody remember this the disciples came and they said Jesus teach us to pray What was the first word Jesus taught the disciples to pray? He said, when you pray, say, our. Our." Didn't get the father yet. I'm talking the first word. Our. Our father. Isn't it beautiful? He's our father. Man, that's amazing. Our father. Our, though, is the first word. Our. That's uh, That's a... a word that's an inclusive community word our father he didn't say when you pray say my father which is in heaven hallowed be your name give me this day my daily bread forgive me my sins as I, you understand that's not what he said he didn't bring any individualistic expression in the entire dissertation of trying to teach his disciples the theology of prayer yet we have individualized this so much Everything is about our Father. I don't know if you understand just how much we need each other, but we need each other. Desperately, we need each other. And the enemy is working overtime to cause us to have these little frustrations and little disappointments that we focus in on and allow ourselves to be divided. And in that state, it produces chaos and confusion in your soul, and you don't even know what's going on. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, Give us this day our, understand this is our provision, all of us together as a family. And then it goes on, and this is really wild. And I'm going to make this statement to you, and you're going to struggle with this statement at first. I'm going to have to prove it to you. And it's okay. How many of you know we don't have to uh, agree on everything that we talk about? I mean, it's important that we understand that. We've learned as a church family that we can have distinction without having to have division. There are different people with different theological conclusions in the room. And that's okay as long as we all understand Jesus is Lord and we're walking this thing out to get all the secondary stuff as, as best we can. And it's great to have interaction. The, the, you know, one of the biggest problems I see in the church is we've not taught people how to have disagreements in unity. Like we think we're having a fight if we have a disagreement, and that's a lie. Uh, you got to just understand there's a big difference between agreement and unity. Unity says we might not even agree, but we're unified because there's something deeper than my need to, for you to agree with me. I'm not going to be a, self, a self-serving little baby over every little disagreement we have. We're going to stay unified for the purposes of God, the eternal purposes of God. There's something deeper. This is, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to drive us to and help us understand. Here's the statement. God's grace and God's promises. How many of you are thankful for God's grace and God's promises? God's grace and God's promises come to us and are conditionally limited to our willingness to live in community. The more independent you choose to live, from the body of Christ, the less engaged you are with the grace and the promises of God. Now, I know that's a challenging thought, but let me give you the basis of why I believe this so strongly. And it's, it's right here in Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. He said, forgive us our, again, all these words, including everybody, forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive I don't know if you understand but one day I was reading that and it's just rhetoric because you hear it sometimes but if you will stop pause and pay attention then I it hit me this is literally Jesus saying this is how you pray if I don't forgive others God don't forgive me that's kinda crazy in a sense God's grace and promises are limited and conditional to my willingness to forgive other people. How many in this room have ever been betrayed? How many in this room has ever been neglected, I mean violated? Come on, we understand what that is. Anybody ever written you off? You know what I've learned and what I love? Just because somebody writes your obituary does not mean you're obligated to die. Why don't you rise up and live anyway? Come on, you've got the strength to rise above accusation. If you'll understand the grace of God, God is actually using that person as a stepping stone to get you more in touch with the love of God because he's near the brokenhearted. Well, they let me down and it broke my heart. Press into that. You're paying a great price for your pain. Don't waste it. Give it to God and let him draw you closer to him. It's a ploy. It's a trap of the enemy. Forgiveness is something we all want to receive more freely than we want to give. Isn't that true? I mean, it's just a reality. But Jesus does make it very conditional. In fact, there's only one part of the Lord's Prayer that he reiterates. Have you ever noticed this? Like After the Lord's Prayer is finished, Then he goes back and picks one portion of the prayer. Not all the points of the prayer does he reiterate. Only one portion does he reiterate. Right afterward, verse 14, he says it again. If, and he says very specifically this time, if you forgive those who sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. This is intense. Jesus didn't die. So you could merely have the faith to be connected to God the Father alone. Jesus died so that you could have the faith, and it takes faith, to be connected to God the Father and the Father's family right here in this room. And out of that is born so much. I want you to know, some people in this room know violation on a deeper level than other people, no violation. Some people in this room know neglect on a deeper level. Some people in this room know betrayal on a deeper level. Whatever level you know those characteristics in your life, that is the deeper level that God's love will reach to completely redeem every situation so that you are never left saying, God's love can't reach that far. Jesus actually talks to his disciples about forgiveness, and it's kind of interesting because he's saying, you know, you got to forgive. This is non negotiable. In fact, if you look at the story, uh, it's kind of interesting. Peter, always, you know, kind of a, a loudmouth. I myself, always talking, saying something, and then later regretting that he said, anybody here? And, uh, and so, you know, G- Jesus and Peter having this conversation about forgiveness. The law actually required in the book of Amos we read where you, you're supposed to give three times. That's according to the law. And so Peter, like, he probably thought he was beefing it up with Jesus, and he said, how many times should we forgive, Lord? Like seven times? Like two times the law plus one? Huh? Yeah? Huh? Huh? I think that's kind of where he was coming from. And then Jesus, like, rocked his world and so, said, yeah, seven times seventy. And you know what the disciples said? They were like, whoa. They said this specifically. They said, Lord, increase our faith. That's what they said. In the issue of forgiveness, they said, increase our faith. What you need to understand is the issue of forgiveness is an issue of faith. And God will give you some revelation on this the more you bring it before Him. But the reality is a community of faith is a community of forgiveness. The community of faith is a community of forgiveness. And the aspect of faith, faith that that comes by the hearing of the word. Do you know that that Jesus describes himself, God is the breaker. He's like the hammer that shatters that which needs to be broken in our lives. And when we submit to the power of God's word, he begins to shatter these attitudes that have become strongholds that hold us back. Now I'm going to tell you right now, this is where it's going to get very difficult. The Bible actually says that throughout Scripture, the word of the Lord came, and either hearts were melted and responsive to God, or hearts were hardened and they were not responsive to God. Now, I'm about to share something with you, and you're going to have to make a choice to let your heart be softened and not allow your heart to be hardened. I want you to think of it in these terms. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay and your response to these things determines whether God really has entrance in your heart because I'm just going to make some statement and if you if you tend to be an offended person and you live offended then you live injured and so when I say the statements I'm about to, to say then it could really be offensive to a person who's easily offended And that's why as a pastor who cares about this church family, I want to give you forewarning and and fair uh, consideration of the fact that you're going to have to allow God to speak with his loving word what I'm about to reveal and declare to you. Because people who live offended think they are strong, but actually they are weak. You need to know the truth. If this is where you dwell and you're easily offended, then you're constantly trying to be in control of every relationship in your life. People walk on eggshells around you and they're afraid they're going to upset you. You're not strong, you're weak. People who live offended are easily defeated by the enemy. When you're constantly offended by others, you are so fragile that your emotions actually have the ability to destroy you. Here's the big deception of it. I had probably three different people after the first service come to me and say, I need to think through what you said. This is what I said. The deception of unforgiveness, the deception of Being neglected, abandoned, violated, whatever it may be that that you won't let go of. The deception of that is that you feel justified in not releasing your offense. And in a sense, you are justified in not fulfilling your dreams. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how good God is. You don't know how bad it was. You don't know how good it could be. Like, you are justifying, rightfully so, the things that happened to you, but you're rehearsing them now in a justification of, I won't let go. Therefore, the promises and grace of God, conditionally so, are held back from you, and you'll not fulfill everything God has called you to. I'm begging you, pay attention to God right now. There are, there are people in this room that are hurting at the sound of my words. You're thinking about issues and situations in your life that, are, that produce some of the deepest pain you can consider. And God's opening that wound so that he can heal it. I've been to the doctor before. Serious wounds, wrapped up. They always do the same thing. They unwrap, it's painful. They clean it out and it hurts. But if it's going to heal right. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. You also are to love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that a powerful statement? How did Jesus love us? How many of you remember what you were like before you encountered the love of Christ? And I was hateful, manipulative, awful. And like, he loved me? How many of you know Jesus loved you and you didn't deserve his love? Did you hear it? Love one another just as I have loved you. How many of you know he loved you when you were being the most unlovable possible condition? That's how we're supposed to love others. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, if you have forgiveness for one another, if you have care for one another as I have cared for you. This is the condition that we see in scripture that the world will actually see there's something different about us. We're not here trying to gather together in good upright moral assemblies hoping people will walk out of here and be as morally upright as anybody in society. There is something more powerful than that God is doing. God's plan is connection and community centering around the desires of Jesus to build his church connection and community and there are people in this room who have nursed pain in such a way that they've justified disconnection i'm not just talking about as a church but i'm talking about in your friendships in your marriage in overall relationships around you 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 understand any connection that lacks community is an empty hollow shell would you stand now I heard this guy talking about how in this other country they would catch monkeys and they take a banana and they put it in a jar that has kind of a small opening the banana slides easily through the opening and they secure the jar so that it can't be moved and then the monkey will come put his hand in the opening of the jar and grab the banana and because he wants the banana he will not let it go and he can't get his hand out of the jar even to the point that the captors come to get the monkey he's still stuck because he will not let it go some of you right now by the Spirit of God need to understand the captors have tried to come and Jesus wants us to be free I say it and those of you who attend know it and it gets old Some of you haven't heard me say it, perhaps. I know what it is to be sexually abused as a child. And you know, still tries to mess with my sexuality, I think, at times. Just trying to navigate through things sometimes. I still wonder, you know, am I confused about this? Just let it go. I can really say that by the grace of God. Would you just let it go? Lord, this is one of those moments where we really need you, maybe more than we even realize. And I just thank you that you're so gracious, so loving, so wonderful so available. You're near the broken-hearted. You know our places of pain. And I thank you, Lord, that you know how to reach into those places of our lives in a way that actually produces true, genuine authentic healing. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would reach into the wiring of our hearts, the wiring of our emotions. The areas of our life, Lord, that seem to have been holding us captive maybe for so very long. Come on, if you know those areas in your life and you're surrendering them to him, just lift your hands in a posture of surrender. Lord, we just posture ourselves to be able to let it go. I thank you for the love and the life of Jesus thank you it's bigger than our ability to have church you're wanting to do something so deep and meaningful within every one of our lives causing us to become a people that understand a sense of tribal revelation (laughs) to the love of Christ God, we honor you today that though you were sinless punched in the face your beard was plucked out your back was whipped shreds of skin were hanging down your back to your legs as you were slammed back on a cross and nails were placed through your wrists and your feet and a cross was erected on the ground suspending you between heaven and earth as you were bleeding all the blood out of your body gasping for breath Pulling your searing pain of your wrist to lift your body to take a breath in. Pushing up with the searing pain on your feet. Only to be in such a state of pain that you would release the weight of your body down to pull on the wrists. The horrible reality of the crucifixion you endured not because you deserved so that we could say if you were willing to do that for us may that become the example we choose to live on behalf of other people's lives. We honor you, Lord. You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. You came to rescue us from our sin and redeem our lives to be a part of the rescue team. Come on, if you believe that and He is your Savior, why don't you give Jesus an amen celebration of praise? He is so worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. Come on, with all of our hearts, we lift up His name.